On today's episode of Comic Movie Master List from Hit the Books Podcast, we're reviewing Wonder Tales Woman. Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> It, 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 is is that not the one where we're not doing that one? No. I, I mean, that she's lady, very skeletal. I, I mean, I was a little confused. So we're reviewing uh, Wonder Woman, nineteen seventy four. It's not the one you think. It's definitely not the one you think. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to another episode of Comic Movie Masterlist from Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And today we're reviewing Wonder Woman, circa 1974. Oh, Linda Carter, you say? <gasps> no. No. There was another. There was another. And, uh... Yeah, not as good. You could Not be forgiven good. for having never heard of this one, considering that she was only in the made-for-TV movie. Yes, so Kathy Lee Crosby was the original film version of Wonder Woman. Who would have thunk? And guess what? It's not the Wonder Woman of yesteryear with her, I guess, Greek-ish battle outfit and skirt and uh magical lasso of truth and uh bullet deflecting bracers and uh yeah none of that really because that's why i'm here <laughs> yeah this is the wonder woman that briefly increased sales for dc comics when they were about to can the book altogether where they revamped wonder woman's origin story and made her a secret spy who was depowered and uh, was very in vogue for the early 70s. Yeah, we're doing Wonder Woman, right? I mean, yep. I thought I thought the woman. I I, I thought the premise Wonder of this woman. was uh that she was some kind of wonder. Like like a like a wonder of the world. Well, <laughs> I do wonder how she uh, got this role. That uh, uh, Be uh because already starting in because because fun fact, <laughs> Linda Carter actually auditioned for this role and did not get it. Well, can you believe that? All things considered, I'm glad that she, <laughs> she waited she, a year. Yeah, she got the right one. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, how, how do we, we how do we even start we this? We got to introduce the newcomers before we dive too far into this. Okay. Now, we're a little flabbergasted because we just watched this movie. It is, it is bad. <laughs> it is really bad. So, forgive us for being lost for words I, here I, and there. I have never been... Uh, I've never had an entire decade's worth of poor style and aesthetic more thoroughly rubbed in my nose. 
<laughs> yeah, so it's essentially on this show, which is a spinoff of our Hit the Books podcast, which is a weekly comic book podcast coming to you every week. Of course, during the quarantine period, because comics were not coming out because of the delays from Diamond, not uh, sending books out, although that's ending very soon, 21st. Uh, we have not had regular episodes of the show for the past few weeks. Instead, we've just been doing regular episodes of our comic movie master list series, where we go through chronological order of all the comic movie mass uh, comic movies. Um, they have to be certain criteria, so full length, feature length films that were uh, filmed and recorded and not serialized or you know basically. Uh, a piece of a show if it's you know a lot of these movies were made to test the market for a new show yeah you know, whether the the show came along or not and batman 1966 the show was a success and became a full-length movie and then with this one not so successful and just remained what it was <laughs> and uh basically faded off into the ether of yeah. obscurity it, this was uh this was a first attempt at trying to bring the Wonder Woman to the screen, and you can already see that there are so many executive decisions that went into the making of this. Like, right from the fucking start, when you look at the cover art for what is currently something that you can watch on Prime Video or on the DC Universe streaming app, yeah, the cover art, it, it showcases the main character. Wonder Woman herself. And you would be forgiven for feeling some confusion upon first viewing because this lady looks nothing like any incarnation of Wonder Woman that anyone yeah. would be familiar with. And she, even if you were familiar with the, the spy espionage Wonder Woman of the, you know, 1968 to 1972-ish period, this is not yeah, her. Yeah, even that. <laughs> this is still not her. The outfit's vaguely reminiscent, but she's blind <laughs> for one, which yes. is completely wrong. Yeah, that's uh, a that's a big thing. Like the one of the defining characteristics of now that I think about it, the big three, not just Wonder Woman, is that their hair is jet black. Yeah. So before we get sidetracked too much, just yeah. want to finish the spiel. Uh, you can find us at Stitcher on iTunes and Spotify on uh, SoundCloud. Nope, not SoundCloud. Fuck SoundCloud. I say yep. that every episode. Yeah, every episode. Uh, because <laughs> they don't have an RSS feed. Just stupid. Yeah. Uh, Stitcher. And uh, unlike Joe Rogan, we will not be exclusive to Spotify and only Spotify <laughs> going forward. So, oh, current dis- events. Very disappointing, Joe Rogan. Come on, man. Come on, man. Can't, it's like you, you know your shit's going to go to YouTube anyway. Come on. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um. So be sure to look out for that. We have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash hit the books. If you feel so generous and want to support us, there are several tiers you can take advantage of. If you so wish, we really appreciate it. If you can't or don't want to, that's perfectly fine. Please give us a like, a subscribe, any kind of support you can, because there are certain thresholds we need to get to in order to maintain the show and uh, keep it coming for your enjoyment. If you missed any previous episodes of Comic Movie Masterlist so far, we did Superman the Mole Men, which I mm-hmm. think was 1951. Yep. Yep. Uh, we did Batman 1966. Yes. We did Tales from the Crypt, 
1972. We did Vault of Horror, 1973. And now we are obviously on Wonder Woman, 1974. So 70s, big decade for really introducing a lot of superhero movies. Now, of course, there were serials and stuff like that that were shown at theaters in between actual full-length movies. Yeah. Uh, like there was Captain Marvel, which, you know, and there's versions of Batman and Superman. Uh, Captain Marvel is actually the oldest official comic book movie serial that you can watch if you can find free clips of that you know and historical records and all that now uh previously i had always posted free links to all of these movies if i could find one for you to watch without spending any money or anything like that or having a subscription service unfortunately we're getting into the period where uh wb is very very aggressive with its copyright claims and uh i could not find a full length version of the film even broken in the we found one that was broken into parts and it wasn't even the first part as quoted the first part it was just like a random section of the film and then there was no other parts to it so if you can find free links more power to you however like emory said earlier you can find it on the dc universe app for free if you have a free trial or if you are currently subscribed you can watch it on the dc universe streaming app for free it's already on there don't have to pay anything additional to rent it or anything if you have the service you can watch it it's also on places like Amazon Prime, and I'm sure on uh, various video streaming services where you can rent it or purchase it uh, to own. Um, however, I'd, I'd highly recommend you just down if you're a DC Comics fan at all, just get the DC Universe app. I think it's like seven bucks a month or something like that, or use the free trial and watch a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, we watch it on DC Universe streaming app, and uh, man. I, I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the this movie was in the watching of it an exercise in not just patience, given that the pacing was abysmal. Uh, I mean, the the pacing was abysmal. The storytelling was. Very easy to get lost in in the like the early segments of it, because um, the story it's it's not well told. There there's a lot of moving parts and things get like thrown in like very haphazardly. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the hero herself, uh, the depiction of this character is. I mean, if they were going for a depowered, like, secret agent, they succeeded. Yeah. Be that for the benefit or the detriment, I would say much to the character's detriment. This is... This is several steps down and not what I would ever think of when I think of the words Wonder Woman. No, so it's basically the enveloping story that surrounds this entire thing is that some mysterious international black market spy agency has somehow stolen the secret identities and locations and contact information for what do they say 37 37 spies yeah 37 u.s spies internationally which is a very pathetic number (laughs) now we we need to immediately address how goddamn goofy its uh, <laughs> depiction of 
attaining these secrets looked. Yeah, so basically these various undercover people just open these safes at different <laughs> parts of the world, I'm guessing in these secret locations, and the books literally say secret. Yeah, they don't just say secret. They say most secret. Most secret. <laughs> it's like every... For and every they're all person, the same color. <laughs> they were all the same color. They all came in pairs, and they all said the same goddamn thing. Yeah, I love it. Like these <laughs> two individual books, and for some reason, they don't even put like most on one book and then secret on the other. Yeah, both of them say most secret. <laughs> See now, that stuff would be fine. <laughs> if this is a big if, uh, okay. If this was being framed like Batman 1966, where it's very clearly supposed to be campy and over the top and silly, right? Where it's winking at the audience while it's being over the top and ridiculous. This was not the case. Mm-mm. This was meant to be taken very seriously. Yeah, this this was jarringly done in a way that I associate with uh, any any film or TV series from the 70s that like was considered a serious drama that that is how they were playing this yeah <laughs> so essentially these books with the secret identities of all of these secret agencies uh, uh, internationally is stolen and held for ransom uh, against the U.S. government, saying, "Hey, if you don't pay us, it was like a pathetic number too. It's like what five million? Is that what it was? Uh, five million in the seventies was, uh, I'm sure, quite a bit back then. But even then, like that, quite a bit was not nearly enough to uh, warrant some serious action, all things considered. I mean, that's like a, a lawsuit settlement nowadays. It, I, I mean." <laughs> You're not wrong. And it's like, uh, <laughs> let's throw away money to make people shut up. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically, he holds all of these secret identities and codes for ransom for $5 million and creates this ridiculous, over-the-top, elaborate plot to get paid without being caught. Very, very elaborate. And oh, my God. It is up to Steve Trevor, who is apparently the head of this operation, and Wonder Woman, who is... His secretary, who is also undercover as his secretary, uh, but also an international spy, apparently. And uh, it is up to them to, A, figure out the plot, and B, track down this supervillain who is very mysterious and has a suave Spanish accent. Yes. Uh, For those of you who are fans of... Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. You may recognize a very particular Spanish voice belonging to one Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> when he wasn't being yelled at by one William Shatner, he was spending his time planning the most elaborate villainous scheme against one... Uh, not quite as wonderful Wonder Woman. Yeah, and it it kind of made me sympathize with his, you know, lieutenant 
who is orchestrating most of the stuff. He's a big hench. Because he just wants to kill him because he's <laughs> doing all these stupid elaborate things and doing nonsensical things. But then he turns around and does the same stupid shit in a different way. So it's like, okay, well, you're both totally incompetent. Right. Uh, the uh, big hench who you actually see for most of the movie in terms of any kind of Top villainy, hench. yeah, top hench. He, like <laughs> Ricardo Montalban hired top men to make sure that this happened. Yeah, and Oops. I gotta say, this guy, uh, what is this guy's name? But <laughs> this man weirdly had this thing where he was all about getting, uh, like, whenever he finished a job. He would get the the people that he hired to help him do the job, uh, you know, just uh, go over to the 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 drinks and you know have have a drink, and that that was his way of very quickly killing anyone connected to the crime. So that way, like no loose ends, no loose ends except for that weird pair of twins he has working yeah, with him he has like the the twins from the shining that, <laughs> that grew up and became really terrible hitmen uh, it, this is what if the twins from the shining grew up and were for turtle twins this is <laughs> it, it, we had difficulty identifying whether or not this was in fact a pair of males yeah. Or if one of them was female, because I mean, we figured it out eventually. I think, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it it literally took one of them opening their mouth. It's a male and a female, but uh, yeah, they're very sexually ambiguous. It, it didn't the, help. The sexually ambiguous duo. Uh, it, it it didn't help that they were both wearing the same outfit and the same goddamn haircut. Yeah, so. <laughs> It's just a weird, eclectic cast of characters that is meant to be taken seriously, but it's clearly just <laughs> impossible to. I mean, Wonder Woman, Kathy Lee Crosby, you know, God bless her. You know, she didn't, she wasn't a bad actress in this film necessarily. You know, she's doing well with what she had to work with. But God, is she not a looker? <laughs> uh, she looks like fucking Skeletor. We are jumping ahead. We have been jumping ahead this whole time because by virtue of the fact that this is a Wonder Woman movie, we we and this movie have to address the the big elephant in the room. She's not from around here. <laughs> and we uh, actually open this movie with a sequence where we so get to painful. see her, uh, yeah, a very painful sequence, where we get to see her on her island of, I don't even think they name it in this one, but You it's, assume it's Themyscira? It, yeah. Where the, they have gas lanterns. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the slightly more modernized Themyscira, in which she meets a, well, she gets to say goodbye to her colorful cast of sisters that she never sees again until she does. Yeah. <laughs> now, we need a little context here. Um, just a little bit of, you know, U.S. history and a little bit of comic book history here. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, you know, right 
in the middle of a lot of social changes, a lot of uh, well, important, like a lot social improvements <laughs> for uh, both uh, racially and sexually. It's kind of the the right in the heart of the civil rights movement, right in the heart of the the woman's liberation movement. I think that was a first wave feminism that was happening at the time. Yeah, I mean, if you don't count trying to get the vote, you know, in the 20s and whatnot. Uh, uh, I thought that was included. Uh, but uh, all of this stuff was happening, you know, the ball, the bra burning in the barrels, you know, you have Vietnam going full steam. You have, you know, the Black Panther Party uh, coming up to prominence and Dr. Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X and you know, all of these various um, marginalized groups finally getting the opportunity to make changes in the country and the culture in a very positive way. Surrounding the show, the comic itself was championing a female hero during, I think that was also the 40s. Yeah, so Wonder Woman's history, there's a lot of great documentaries. I highly recommend you go watch some of them about Wonder Woman specifically and her creation. Um, she, she's a very complex character in history. She was created by uh, William Moulton Marston, and he essentially had a polygamous <laughs> relationship slash livelihood going on with a wife and a mistress that lived with them. They had children with both uh spouses essentially of course you know polygamy is still illegal in the united states so it had to be kept hush hush uh for fear of not only social prejudice against these types of things but also lawful prejudice where the the, the law was going to come down on you if you revealed anything and there was a lot of rumors around how this person was betrayed and how he was created. Now, one of his wives was extremely uh, motivated in the workplace, very strong, intelligent, educated, independent woman. And she was a big influence in what became the Wonder Woman of the modern day. She kind of introduced this strong, powerful uh, character ethos into Marston's creation um, and created a lot of independence for the character in the writing and made, gave her this, you know, be- between her and Marston, gave her this great overarching story, this big epic origin uh, with gods and goddesses and all sorts of, you know, cool, awesome ideas that we know Wonder Woman for today. She's a very iconic look that really hasn't changed a whole lot between then and the modern day and so she was seen as a very kind of iconic person to put at the forefront of kind of giving young girls the personal authority to challenge themselves and become more independent and striking and powerful in the in the world world obviously leading up to now obviously we're not saying that she was responsible for the whole movement but right it's one of those key cultural things that you know probably had an influence and yeah. it can't be ignored 
Now, there's also controversy on the other side of things where he would often make her very sexualized. He yep. would often, you know, have her in kind of weird bondage situations with like dominatrix like uh, villains. L- literally, that... bondage was her weakness. And yeah, you can read into that if you want to. <laughs> Uh, there's certainly opportunity for that, but uh, there's a lot of stories where uh, the wife, I wish I could remember her name, her name's not coming to my head right now, um, that helped influence her creation. Uh, she would was actually saying a lot of the times this is about having Wonder Woman break the chains of bondage, you know, uh, you know, kind yeah. of an analogy uh, for putting her in the situation chains. to yeah. watch her break her own way out of it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you can look at it from a kind of pessimistic point of view or you can look at it from a gleefully ignorant, optimistic point of view. It was probably <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Uh, oh, um, almost definitely. However, at this time in the early 70s, late 60s, Wonder Woman woman was a completely dying book dc wanted to get rid of it completely it just wasn't sell uh wasn't selling you know it was based on a character fighting nazis you know in the 1960s and 70s when you're dealing with vietnam and you've already had the korean war and you've had the cold war for 20 plus years it's it's stale it was stale material uh about uh very corny campy type of character when all the other characters were maturing and becoming darker themed and more mature in theme yeah and moving away from the mccarthy era campiness it much more dealing with uh events far more current than uh punching nazis in the face like we all want our heroes to do so in order to boost sales as a last ditch effort to kind of save the wonder woman character um they changed editors and the new editor came up with the idea that we were going to write this long convoluted way to make it so that wonder woman lost loses her powers and she basically it's explained that the themiscara and all the amazons have to go away to replenish their magical abilities and that Wonder Woman also has to give up her magical abilities or come with them. And she chooses to stay with Steve Trevor because she loves Steve Trevor and gives up her magical abilities, which is how she becomes depowered. However, she's still working for the U.S. government to you know, save the world with Steve Trevor. And this is where it gets kind of corny and maybe a little racist, but she meets this Asian martial artist, this old martial artist that trains her, and we do see some judo chops in this film. We do. <laughs> They're pretty bad. Uh, and oh, she becomes man. a martial arts master in addition to being a fully trained Amazon warrior. And... Um, that's kind of how we get in this environment. She just becomes a female James Bond with these fantastical origins and uh, skills, uh, not no longer abilities, I would say. Yeah. It, imagine taking a character like a uh, classic super powerful Wonder Woman and then bringing her all the way down into being... Black Widow? Yeah. So if you <laughs> if you watch our YouTube channel, I'm posting pictures on our green screen so you can have a reference for what I'm talking about. A lot of people don't even know that this version of Wonder Woman existed. Yeah. And there's probably good reason for that. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean, I complain about what they did to Dick Grayson by making <laughs> him an international spy. I mean, they did they did Wonder Woman real dirty. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, Oh my God! There, are, 
I am at a loss for words the more I think about this movie just based on the fact that, uh, again, this is called Wonder Woman. At at this point, the only thing that makes her any kind of wonder is the whole Themyscira thing that uh, we get sprinkles. Mm -hmm. We get sprinkles throughout this movie of that. Yeah, and so we... um basically see that the sales of the Wonder Woman book increase dramatically and suddenly Wonder Woman as a character is seen as viable as a property again. And this is why we get this made-for-TV movie, which was meant to be a test for the market for a new Wonder Woman show, which eventually does come in the form of the Linda, Linda Carter version. But that's after the complete reboot of the series. Now, by the time this movie is made, Wonder Woman is back to her original form. They stopped doing the spy thing around 1972, 1973. Um, So even though it increased the sales of the book, eventually got stagnant, as you'd expect, and a lot of prominent feminists actually complained that why would you depower this super iconic, powerful woman character? Right. And thankfully, DC listened. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's very interesting that this movie was created at all yeah, yeah, with the writing that it had at all because at this point, the spy version of Wonder Woman was, you know, two years old plus and wasn't really the modern incarnation and they really only had a few years worth of comics to go on. So if you're talking 12 comics a year, you know, for four or five years, that's that's not a lot of material to work with. No, not at all. Um, so it's very strange. And then again, you get into the casting of this film just doesn't make sense with Kathy Lee Crosby. They, you know, couldn't give her a black wig or dye her hair. They had to go the full, you know, stereotypical Hollywood blonde. And quite frankly, not a very good looking, kind of a frightening looking (laughs) Hollywood blonde. There was a quality to... Miss Crosby's blonde hair that, in particular lighting, it looked like she was graying. It looked yeah, like, it looked it like was, she had it, what, gray hair, yeah, white hair. It looked like she was aging right before our eyes. And that is the kind of thing that if you see that, you fire everyone who is handling the lighting because yeah. the last thing you want to think of when it comes to your super iconic powerful woman like titular character yeah is feeling like she's old and you know (laughs) kathy lee crosby if you look at pictures of her you know in modern day she's a very lovely woman yeah i think she kind of aged in a way that was beneficial to her i think she aged very gracefully yeah um however she is about 30 years old in this film she does not look 30. She looks like she's in her early 50s, maybe, you know, and yeah. it's rough. Yeah. Now, to her credit, she's very athletic. She's more <laughs> athletic than Ezra Miller is. Uh, it, it's surpr- uh, there's to, a point. To where, the surprise of no one. Yeah, there's a point where she has to sprint in high heels in this ridiculous evil Knievel outfit. And, and she looks like a more competent runner than the fucking Flash. <laughs> Sorry, I just needed to dig at Ezra Miller because he, he annoys me uh, in just about every way. Uh, right. Uh, but uh, Him in a Flash costume should not be. Yeah, to Kathy Lee Crosby's you know, 
credit. I don't. I I'm trying not to seem too shallow, but I mean, when this is your titular character that's supposed to launch a new franchise, that's supposed to be this super powerful, super incredible, beautiful warrior woman, and she looks like fucking Skeletor. And you know the material you're giving her to work with is worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's a shame because she very well could have acted the part, and she could definitely handle the physicality of yeah. this part. But when it came to the look, it was almost as if the look that everyone associated with Wonder Woman was completely abandoned here. Yeah, so the iconic look, completely gone. Yeah. And they didn't even go for, like, the spy version look. You it, know? The spy version just... of, you know, the, the classic... Long jet black hair. Yeah. Uh very, very like powerful, feminine looking Wonder Woman. This is like with this we got someone who She looked like Cal Drogo. <laughs> oh she looked like a really no, she did, no Cal Drogo. She didn't look like Cal Drogo. She looked like uh Ivan Drago. That yeah. um Mixing our uh, Rocky with yeah. a Game of Thrones here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Uh, yeah, she she looked like she should have shown up in Rocky Four, uh, sp- like supporting everyone who was on the side of Russia. That is what she yeah. looked like. So you know, she was very poorly cast. Casgaras uh, plays Steve Trevor. He was fine. I guess. I, I mean, he was he was there. He, he was, was kind of a nothing burger. Yeah, you know, nothing good, nothing bad. I think the one that stands out more than probably anybody is Andrew Pine's character, George. <laughs> what a villain name. Oh, George. <laughs> Watch out for George. <laughs> but basically, George is the lieutenant of the main baddie, and he's basically always undermining the main baddie and clearly wants to take everything and anything he can for himself and enjoys killing people for the pleasure of it. Um, and he likes tying up dead ends by murdering. Yeah, yes, he does. Um, he, he's a real big fan of murder. He kind of looks like a cross between the, the main character from Portlandia and the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's a, He kind of does. He has that very distinct look. <laughs> That weird profile. He he kind of made me think of uh, what if you gave the guy who most recently played the tick a little <laughs> bit of a bigger mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, does he have a big mouth. He movie. does. Um, uh, the other main character, of course, we mentioned him earlier, R- Ricardo Multibon, who plays Abner Smith. Which is clearly not his real name. <laughs> uh, uh, fucking course it's not. <laughs> Who is, of course, the illegal uh, spy agency mastermind. <laughs> and you don't see his face until towards the end of the film. Um, there's other characters, like there's the colonel that assists uh, Steve Trevor. Um, there's Angela, who is one of the sisters of Themyscira who has left the island. And it's, again, it's just so random how we find out. <laughs> it's just one of these, you know, ancient Greek warrior woman just appears 
while she's in Europe. <laughs> like, and, oh, hey, sister, what's garb. up? <laughs> says hello sister uh angela has left and fled and forsaken her 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 island and her sisters and her origins and she's gone out into the world to do evil you must stop her you know <laughs> it's it's just so random and corny and it, just it, it comes out of nowhere it, yeah that is the thing that was most jarring about that scene is that in the middle of what is attempting keyword attempting at being some kind of a spy thriller out of nowhere we get this uh kind of callback to her origins which is supposed to be mythological slash supernatural in nature yeah and it's so weirdly out of place and it almost felt as though they realized that and tried to get it over with as soon as possible yeah it's very (laughs) awkward it's very weird now if they had made it into a show, I kind of get what they're doing. They're yeah. giving a base. I think this whole film was giving kind of an origin and basis for three major villain characters that she would probably be encountering in the show. Right. Assuming it got picked up, which it obviously did not. Um, for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just very jarring. Uh, I think the actress that played Angela... Uh, her name is Anitra Ford. I think she would have been a far better Wonder Woman. She definitely had the look. And I think they should have traded spots. (laughs) (laughs) I think Kathy Lee Crosby should have been the evil (laughs) Themyscarian warrior woman. And I think uh, Anitra Ford should have been Wonder Woman herself because she looks like Wonder Woman. Can can we talk about the introduction of... Angela. Yeah, so Angela's, it, it, they insinuate that <laughs> Abner Smith as <laughs> Lord Angela away from the secret mythical island <laughs> with money. <laughs> this woman who I has think that would never known money right. at all. It's a concept she has no place in like her mind for historically. It's, it's like... You want some of these greenbacks? Yeah, and so we see her <laughs> discussing the mastermind's plans to monitor the lieutenant using Angela as a pseudo bodyguard for uh, George. Because George needs not just the twins doing his dirty work, <laughs> but he also needs his very own Themyscirian warrior yeah. woman to d- to be his bodyguard and her introduction, oh yeah, my she, god! She basically plays Catwoman <laughs> as hard as she can. And she's very over the top, and she's got all this jewelry that she's just bought, and she's stroking the jewelry constantly and playing with it and looking at it and playing with her ears, which is totally counterintuitive to what the kind of women's liberation movement is about. We're just putting these stereotypes of super, super, you know, gross (laughs) and stereotypical traits of the, quote, modern day woman of the 70s as being very materialistic and not really caring about morals. It's just like, what are you doing? Uh, Yes. Uh, Mind you, Using that archetype to uh, paint the portrait of a villain, 
Uh, sure, I can kind of see what you're doing there. And that would work on any other type of character than another Themyscira warrior woman. Yeah. You know what this woman should have been doing? Outside of uh, trying to weirdly bet money on how well she can throw a spear, she should have just been throwing the spear and practicing like a fucking warrior woman. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's very jarring. It's very strange. Very cringeworthy. I, I, it was a bit extra. I like the dynamic that they were setting up with her and Wonder Woman because clearly she's supposed to be the saber tooth to the Wolverine. Where uh, yes, they, they clearly can't kill each other, but that's not going to stop them from trying, and they're going to fuck each other up. Yeah, <laughs> and Wonder but, Woman's going to take the honorable course every time, and you know Angela's not. Right, the classic rivalry. This is how you set up a rival. You make them very comparable in what they're able to do, but when it comes to trying to use that on each other, it's like, oh, you, the classic uh, line from the uh, one of my favorite Mel Brooks movies, Spaceballs, encapsulates this perfectly. Your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's yeah. not good. So... Another thing that was weirdly out of place in what was supposed to be a spy thriller. Yeah, so again, the mm. messaging is very convoluted. It doesn't make sense. The story doesn't make much sense at all. Uh, the The entire plot revolves around Abner's convoluted scheme to make sure nobody can follow the ransom money to him and that he can escape with said ransom money of $5 million minus his $2 million cut to George. <laughs> um, yes. The, with, the 2 million cut <laughs> to George. Oh my God. The, yeah. like, when you have to involve sending, <laughs> Sending the agency that's after you a giant box that has a jackass in it, only for him to plan on them taking it all the way back to where they think he is, using it to lead it to using it to lead them to Mister Abner. How do you say Smith? Uh, only for it to involve it going into a cave. And then in Abner, how do you say Smith's exact words? Going into a cave only to be followed by several other identical asses. Yeah. How? how? Yeah. How? Just, see, it, it would have worked perfectly in a Batman 1966 scenario. <laughs> it does not work in this movie because it you're doesn't. supposed to be taking all of this seriously. It's like the entire, like the suspension of disbelief, the entire premise that we are going into this with is that, oh my God, the, 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 we're dealing with high stakes here. This is this is serious business. Yeah. There there are agents' lives on the line. It's awful. And I, I kind of suspect Steve Trevor is a devil agent cuz he did everything that he could to stick to Abner's plan, including leaving the tear gas in there so that he could fuck up George when George turned on him. 
I completely disagree. None of that was necessary. Yeah, I completely disagree. It's like, oh. If for no other reason than this movie was a laundry list of incompetence <laughs> all the way down. Well, that's my thing. I think Steve Trevor was the competent one. And we just never realized it because everybody else is so incompetent. <sighs> See, I would have needed a second episode to verify that. <laughs> <laughs> a second episode that we will never get. I don't trust Steve. Nope. Don't don't trust Trevor. Not that it matters. It's probably a scroll. Wrong universe. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's okay. They'll cross over again when I'm they're, sure. they're desperate. Oh, God. <laughs> it was, yeah, so it's bad. Well, I guess we'll try to give you the scene-by-scene scene action as much as we can, <laughs> but we've basically told you the whole film. Mm. Uh, so the movie begins. Uh, you have a meeting of a bunch of heavyweights in the you know department of defense meeting together with steve trevor so steve can discuss with them the fact that all of these secret identities have been compromised and this elaborate scheme to hold them for ransom for five million dollars modern day america probably 1974 america would probably just pay the fucking ransom and get the shit back immediately but you know whatever <laughs> so uh they hatch this big elaborate plan that they're going to try to find these pers- people and track down everything they talk about these three different uh independent people one of them being george one of them being abner and uh who was the last one it was George, it was Abner. So I feel like George was at both both locations. Uh he was at both locations, but I think he the reason he was at both locations is because he went from the first one to the second one. Yeah. And like when he was at the first one, it I believe it was mostly just him and the twins. Yeah. So the twins are the other group of people that you got to worry about so yeah they say they're at these different locations one in south america one in europe and one is uh southwest united states yeah that that the gist of it again yeah i don't remember because it it was fucking irrelevant and didn't (laughs) didn't fucking matter um so jump forward you have this really awful painfully cringeworthy (laughs) scene where the Basically, everybody's constantly hitting on Wonder Woman in this movie. Everyone. And trying to ask her out on a date. Literally everyone. It's so <laughs> gross and infuriating and annoying. And it's just it's just weird. It's just uncomfortable and gross. And I kind of think that was the point. Like, they're trying to illustrate, you know, this is the, the woman's world. You know, I get it. Right. But they're trying to push, you know, it, it's, narratively. It, trying to see sense. it from the eyes of the hero. Like, how strange it must be to literally be surrounded by a bunch of people who want nothing more than to uh, spend more time with you for motives that may or may not be very clear at the very beginning. Yeah, it's, (laughs) I mean, there's certain scenes in this film that come off as very, like, date rapey. Yeah. You know, one makes sense because it's the main villain and he's supposed to be creepy. Yeah. There are other characters that are just random men. Very creepy, very gross, very like, what the fuck are you, what are you doing? No, <laughs> that's, no, that's never okay. Who, who would? <laughs> she gets booped. She gets booped. 
right in the middle of her forehead by one of the <laughs> by one of the heads of the Department of Defense who asked her out on a date. She said no, but was very sweet about it. And then he, she made a nice remark to him to make him feel better. And he turns around, kisses his finger, and boops her on the head. It wasn't even her nose. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like it, the boot. Like if you're gonna boop anyone, like uh, before current events, uh, like you would have booped them. It was like boop right on the nose because yeah. you know that's that that just seems adorable for some weird reason. Yeah, but so. uh, like this was like a weird, like creepy little affection bindi that he was putting right in the middle of her mind's eye. Yeah. It was it was weird, it was gross, it was uncomfortable 100%. and man, is this what is this what women have to fucking deal with? Oh my god. Yikes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh you know, for all the things it's trying oh. to depict and uh, you know, probably intentionally, there's a lot of things that it's depicting that is actually really cool to see in a night in you know, a mid 1970s film. It's very progressive. Um one of the things I noticed is that a uh on Themyscira, one of the uh sisters is black and she's not only instrumental there, but she's also introduced later in the film to come and bring the message. Another they, character... They actually have... Uh, speaking of that character, mm. uh, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the comics, uh, they also introduce that character around the same time. Uh, canon, her name is Nubia, and she has been a black Themyscirian since the 1970s, at the very least. Yeah, well, they don't call her Nubia in the casting. So... Not in the casting, but at the very <laughs> least in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. We can say it's analogous. I can totally buy that. Um, but her name in, in the film is Dia. Um, the one thing I also notice is that uh, obviously, we have the black sister and we have the Latino sister. At least it's heavily insinuated that she's of heavily Latino origin. Heavily implied. Uh, which is Angela, which she ends up being a villain. Yeah. <laughs> Not unlike the other Latino. So clearly, no. this is illustrating black people fine, white people fine. Latinos don't trust them. Because <laughs> all the villains are Latino or hanging around with Latinos in this film. Now, mind you... They they managed to take this Latina and turn her into, uh, she's Catwoman. She's Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, she's just it's cat. like straight up. She's just spear chucking Catwoman. Yeah. Yes. Straight up. Quite literally. <laughs> it's like it take away the like the backdrop and all of her mannerisms and her. Very clear avarice for all things material. That's Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> and then to finish the thought <laughs> that yeah. we started 10 minutes ago, uh, the in the meeting of the Department of Defense, one of the top generals, I think for the Air Force, is black, which is awesome. Yeah. Because if you watched our previous episodes uh, about uh, uh, Vault of Horror and Tales from the Crypt, the origin of EC Comics, they're 
final downfall was fighting with the Comic Code Authority in the 1950s because they wanted to portray a black astronaut. And that was apparently too far. Yeah. And it caused all of this internal sabotage by the Comic Code Authority. And if you read a little into it, probably the big wig companies, DC, Marvel, you know, at the time, Atlas, and just all of these different things going on that was probably <laughs> more than meets the eye the situation so you can see in just you know less than 20 years that's a lot of progress that's that is quite a lot of progress despite not really being there yet yeah yeah still there's still room to grow i'm sure this was uh, entertainment continually trying to push the issue Mm -hmm. so like let's let, let's push the idea continually mm-hmm. that uh, this is not only a thing that that can happen, but a thing that can be just accepted as normal and fine and not a big deal. Yeah, just I mean, just think, you know, less than twenty years prior, that was something that would have been completely shit upon. That oh yeah, would have enraged, you know, it, tons of people in the United States. It, you know, particularly. That's literally the thing that made entertainment comics shutter their doors Mm -hmm. and let them be uh, bought out essentially by the the company that does Mad Magazine. Yeah, well, they were producing Mad Magazine. That was it. Was basically the only viable property they had left after everything got shuttered, and they eventually got bought up by DC. So. surprise <laughs> um but it, th- th- just some small notes i just wanted to throw out there because I, I i did notice that and i it was it stuck out to me uh more so because our previous two reviews that was such an instrumental thing in the the history of ec comics and their downfall that now this you know jump forward to 1974 this wonder woman movie could depict black people in very prominent strong roles even if it wasn't necessarily the leading role yeah uh, which is great to see and shows just a a clear but steady progress towards you know modernism which is more more good than bad i would say in almost every regard you know yeah and again we got i'm sure there's plenty of room to grow in that (laughs) respect but you gotta it's hard not to acknowledge how much growth happened in such a short span of time in that 1950s to 1970s era. Um, So I just wanted to point that out. Just thought that was really cool to see. And one of the few redeeming features of this film. So we jump forward. Wonder Woman travels to Europe, and she's getting fed information from uh, Steve Trevor the entire time, basically giving her clues and code and whatnot to where they know things are. Yeah. Because, again, she's working undercover not only, you know, internationally but within the organization itself everybody this thinks she's an unassuming secretary when in actual fact she's the top operative for steve trevor um so she goes to europe and again all of this over the top elaborate schemes where she fights off the one of the twins in the elevator that tries to ambush <laughs> her and then proceeds to just go to her room like normal just leaves him you know like surely he'll never visit me again you know um, surely him being here is absolutely no indication that they're already on to me <laughs> oh my god and so she just settles in and relaxes and then she goes on this dinner date with george uh <laughs> who is very very creepy in his 
attempts to lure her into bed and uh, take her on his private yacht, which, fun fact for later in the film, he can't swim. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a guy. This fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so jump forward. Uh, somebody mysteriously tries to run her over several times in this car. Um, she corresponds with the main villain, Abner, via telephone. Again, we never see his face at up to this point, but... They clearly know that they're each operating, you know, trying to foil each other's schemes. And, yeah, it's uh, a cat and mouse. Yeah. And so you get this introduction to George. You get the, you know, correspondence with Abner, uh, who are the main villains. And then you have the the fighting and battling with the, the Hitman twins, <laughs> who are extremely incompetent throughout this entire film. I mean... I would have killed them myself. <laughs> I don't. I don't blame George. Uh, yeah, I would have done away with them if for no other reason than why do you have the same haircut? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah. It, like it'd be one thing if the brother had a clear outlined beard. You know, whatever. I don't. That <laughs> it seemed to bother you a lot more than it, me. It, I don't. it did. It did, if for no other reason than... I was more bothered by their bad acting, like horrible acting. Uh, okay, they were given nothing. Like, like, abs- they have like five lines, <laughs> and they delivered them terribly. <laughs> terribly. Uh, yes. Ralph Garman would call it exquisite acting. Oh, my God. It's so bad. <laughs> it's, uh, if you want to see some exquisite acting, watch this film and, lo- and watch the twins say their lines, especially the, the male. Uh, uh, yeah. Rough. I, I mean, I get it. This was basically a pilot for the TV show. It's no wonder they had to try it again in a year. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, so jump forward. They... <laughs> Abner delivers a literal donkey to this <laughs> secret headquarters. Yeah, literal. Literal. A literal donkey in a box. We made ass jokes the entire time. We sure did. <laughs> so you open Wonder Woman's box and you find a big ass. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so it becomes this big convoluted plot where Abner has instructed Steve Trevor to put the cash for the ransom on these saddlebags for this donkey, drive it out to this remote area of Arizona where there's this, you know, ghost town basically in the old West slap the ass on the, on the ass and tell it to go in Spanish. And then the donkey would take it from there. And and of course they rigged the donkey up with, transmitter devices on all the shoes they put some infrared filament on its fur so they can track it by airplane and all of this stupid shit and they all, le- all this shit that basically is code word for we made it so that we know where the donkey is at all times yeah so very convoluted very uh, stupid very uh, over the top uh, yeah this was Oh my god, the the entire idea behind using one ass that we went out of our way to tell 
not show, which is supposed to be a big fucking no-no in uh, visual storytelling is like you're supposed to show, not tell, goddammit. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like we're just saying all of these things that you can't really see it, but just trust us, it's there. Like we can track this thing wherever we want. And the villain says, fuck all that. The second that the, the ass is led exactly to where that ass is supposed to be, and it's subjected to a bunch of uh, ass play. Re- uh, <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you call uh, very specific uh, rays being irradiated throughout the donkey uh, safely, <laughs> Peter, don't come after us. <laughs> I just like how he planned this so thoroughly <laughs> that a- he knew to not only. Uh, lure this donkey into this room that it is trained to go into where a door closes so nobody can interrupt while it destroys the transmitters and sprays down the donkey with a shower so that it can be cleansed of the the luminescent uh, material in its fur and then proceeds to leave and reopen the door so that Wonder Woman can walk into said trap. You mean to tell me that Ricardo Montalban might have been a secret ass man with a secret ass plan. <laughs> Very much. If that isn't a t-shirt, somebody fucking get on it. I don't know if we can sell, uh, you know, Montalban's image, but I will one hundred percent sell that t-shirt. Oh my god, that would that that, that that's solid gold. That's solid fucking gold right there. Secret ass man with a secret ass plan. Copyrighted. That involved not only uh, leading an ass to be cleaned, (laughs) but leading an ass to where you have to get that ass in private. (laughs) You, You have to make sure that the ass is not followed, and you have to make sure that anyone who attempted to follow that ass is subsequently dealt with behind closed doors. Yeah. So, again, above and beyond ridiculous, you know. There's now, mind you, it would be one thing if it was only the one ass. Oh, I forgot the other scheme. The scheme hatched by George, where he had the twins put a little compartment box under, I mean, ridiculously obviously, underneath this couch that is raised, and clearly you can see everything underneath it. It's like in a room where the color palette is mostly white and cream, A very harsh black box yeah. is very, like, not well hidden Again, under a couch. A bomb would have worked well there. Poisonous gas would have killed her there. Uh, but no. A coming out of the corner with a gun would have worked here. So, uh, speaking of which, <laughs> fuck, we'll get to that later. But, uh, yeah, we just have a fucking, apparently, poisonous tiny snake crawl out of said box via remote control. It it didn't even look poisonous. And it wraps around Wonder Woman's ankle and just stays there while Wonder Woman calmly calls the bellboy to bring her milk in a saucer and not to wear shoes. I still don't understand why he couldn't wear fucking shoes. Okay, not wearing shoes... I don't know. Maybe she has a foot fetish. Uh, Whoa. (laughs) But the... 
Milk in a fucking... T- are, are we trying to lure away a cat? <laughs> what? The- so apparently this snake <laughs> is magically attracted to milk. I don't know if this is a thing. I've never heard of this being a thing. I'm going to Google it right now because I'm so pissed off that it's a thing. I'm almost <laughs> entirely certain that they made this up. Can you lure a snake with milk? Number one, a bowl of milk does not attract snakes. <laughs> Thank you, Google. <laughs> so apparently, apparently, this is an Indian myth. Again, oh you know, dot God. not feather. <laughs> so, a bowl of milk does not attract snakes. It has been proved that snakes have no preference for milk, and also they cannot be killed by lacing a bowl of milk with poison. So apparently this is a myth that people believed in the 70s. Uh, A myth that people believed in. It's interesting that this would come out of India, given that earlier in this movie, uh, well, that guy who really wanted to go out with her went out of his way to give her a bendy right in her third eye. (laughs) (laughs) Boop. Boop. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So again, that that part was complete bullshit uh, yes i thought maybe there was some truth to it that i just didn't it know about like, oh my god nope. can you do that no sure. no absolutely not in fact they're lactose intolerant you yeah. can't drink milk yeah. it don't you ever <laughs> try luring away a snake with milk you moron god damn it but and again she's fucking wonder woman <laughs> and she's paralyzed with fear by this fucking snake and can't do anything it's almost like wonder woman literal demigod <laughs> should be able to handle a goddamn snake. You would think. Even uh, a secret agent. I mean, fuck. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, smack it or something. I don't care. It's like she literally... Judo chop it. Worked pretty good on the twins. She literally comes... Or... It, yeah, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she She gotcha. is invented as being part of Greco-Roman myth... One of the myths, uh, which is probably a huge one, lady with snakes on her head in place of hair. I don't know. I think, like, I kind of think they were trying to do like a Cleopatra callback type of thing. Oh I think that's, my God. I think that's what they were going for, but it was just so stupid. It didn't work, you know? <laughs> like, oh, the, the, the cats with milk. No, no, we can't do that. That's like, they, they've already done that in other moves. We can't do that. We got to. Yeah. Um, this is bad. Okay, we want the same thing though, but what are we going to get to go over to the milk? A snake? Yeah, I don't. What? Under- did, wah, wah, wah? I have no idea why he had to take his <laughs> shoes off though. Like that, that part bothered me. I thought there would be a reason for taking the shoes off. Nope, it never comes back. Nope, it, it it's never I mean, addressed. Maybe that she wanted the vibrations to be less, but I mean, if the snake's gonna bite him, you know. At least he has shoes on. Snake probably won't get through the fucking boot. I don't know. Uh, okay, do they stupid? Do they have like a, an infrared sense where they're like attracted to objects that have heat? Is is that oh, so she wants the snake to bite him? Okay, here's your fifty bucks, fool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucking stupid. It, like there's I, no I, explanation that will logically explain this to me. I, I mean, there's Other no than explanation. The director is an idiot. There's no explanation that makes Wonder Woman look good in the scene. Oh yeah, we forgot to credit the the individuals who created this film, Vincent McEvity. 
is the director of the film, and the writers are John D.F. Black. Oh, it's just John D.F. Black. For some reason, he's listed twice. So, uh, yeah. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's real bad. So, back to the main plot uh, <laughs> that we are dealing with. So, the donkey goes through its little spa day and continues to march on, while Wonder Woman is trapped in uh, the garbage jump from Star Wars that slowly <laughs> closes in on her uh, while shedding uh, red, blue, and yellow poop. That is apparently cement, I think. I mean, it was a wall that had weird colored grainy like diarrhea flowing down the wall. And the wall was ever advancing on her. And, you know, it was right during that scene where, um, one, we just newly established her weakness is actually uh, glass doors. <laughs> <laughs> Which she encounters quite a few times. Y- yes, uh, she uh, was trying to find her way out of this whole situation, and it was right towards the end of that scene where I thought to myself, you know, it's almost like what Wonder Woman should be doing out of to get out of here is using her super strength. Yeah. Oh, wait. Which, <laughs> apparently she's depowered, but... It, uh, she okay. manages to... Put herself up against the the colored poopy wall <laughs> and brace her legs against the, the glass door and the glass door just pushes open conveniently. I mean, here's the thing about this trap that's so stupid. <laughs> A, why do you need the poop diarrhea coming down the wall to be different colors? B, why do you need poop running down the walls if the wall is closing in to crush her do you need to lubricate her before she's crushed between this glass wall and this solid rock wall what was the point of that at all what a waste of budget what was the point of that Uh, there's no point uh it actually stands to reason that another question should be why are we having a wall literally closing in on this woman when at the end of the movie, uh, our our main villain goes far out of his way to say, no, no, we do not want her dead. We want her alive. Yeah. It, like it, 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 their pursuit of us. Maybe like this if is she George's died. idea. I don't know. Yeah, that was probably George. I mean, I, diarrhea like, wall. That, that. <laughs> Killing my Aryan princess. Uh, all of his know. plans are shitty. Yeah, sounds like George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh my uh, God. She escapes by basically bracing herself on the diarrhea and pressing <laughs> on the glass with her feet until the glass breaks and she's able to fall out through the plexiglass thing. <laughs> it just works. Yeah. And we cut to a scene where the donkey runs into a cave and then five different donkeys <laughs> run out of the cl- cave that are, according to Montalban, identical. <laughs> uh, ridiculous. So this Absolutely is, absurd. Apparently, this is supposed to throw her off the trail of the donkey. And then it cuts to a scene where we have George hanging out in the middle of nowhere with Angela waiting for the donkey to show. They have this long, unnecessary scene where Angela decides that she's going to bet that she can hit this log stump in the distance, and he says he'll pay her 50 bucks if she can. She hits it, and he says, okay, if you can hit it again, double or nothing. You know, if you can hit your spear, 
that's stuck in the log. I'll give you a, another 50 bucks. And sure enough, she does it. And he gives her the 50 bucks and the scene's over. I'm like, okay, that was completely unnecessary, I guess, unless he just wanted to demonstrate that Angela is a badass. Um, I think that was the entire point of that. Which I don't understand because they all have fucking guns, <laughs> including the two incompetent twins that get their heads butted together while they're trying to snipe next to each other in the same window without bracing on anything. Just holding it above the windowsill, side by side. That was so goddamn stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Oh my god. Uh, uh, yeah. The the thing that I thought was really goofy, like probably the goofiest thing about this entire thing, we are already establishing that George is not afraid of uh, tying up loose ends, if you will, by way of a gun. And he has a gun, but doesn't use it at all when it comes to the fight between uh, the person that he's hired as his bodyguard and the woman that he's been trying to kill this entire time. So bad. Oh, my God. So bad. So (laughs) it cuts to the next scene. Now. Uh, Wonder Woman up to this point had been wearing normal clothes, but once we get to the Arizona desert scene, she is now dressed as Evil Knievel (laughs) and is fighting the baddies in her Evil Knievel outfit, which is ridiculous because it's so bright and obvious and ridiculous. And up to this point, nobody had been wearing a goofy costume. So it just comes out of nowhere for no reason. They already know who she is. They've clearly established that since the beginning of the film. So it's not like she's in her secret identity or anything like that. She's just Diana. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The thing that I thought was really funny, specifically having to do with that is... Uh, when we say she becomes evil Knievel, she doesn't just look like evil Knievel. She acts like evil Knievel. Yeah, she we- literally gets a motorbike. <laughs> a dirt bike. She gets a dirt bike. She gets a dirt bike that, uh, very, um, very fortunate for her, actually happens to come with a helmet. Uh, Which br- looks exactly like Evil Knievel's helmet just, without the stars. Exactly <laughs> like it. Just it's just like, a white helmet. Is a sporting the red, white, and blue, the most American version of Wonder <laughs> Woman we could possibly have come up with. And we've got uh, Evil Knievel that when she doesn't look like she's trying to do motorcycle stunts or dirt bike stunts, I should say. She just looks like she just won, like she meddled in the Olympics yeah. the entire time. Oh, my God. So it's <laughs> it's so convoluted and stupid. She comes riding in on the fucking donkey. Like, <laughs> she couldn't even walk. She had to ride the fucking donkey to the final finish line. Was she tired? Yeah. <laughs> and again, everybody's got fucking guns, but no. We're going to challenge her with a goddamn spear because, you know, she can catch it. (laughs) So Angela throws a spear at her while she's on her donkey. She catches the spear and throws it in the ground and mocks her or whatever. She gets off the donkey. The donkey walks towards George. You know, George is going to shoot her, but then Angela takes the gun out of his hand and says, no, let me fight this. And then he picks up his gun and says, yeah, all right, whatever. (laughs) stupid and so god he takes the donkey and just walks off into the sunset you know having a good old time 
Well, because Angela, of course he does. Angela and Wonder Woman have this very dramatic standoff and discussion uh, about Angela's intentions and what she plans to do. And basically, she just wants to experience the world. She doesn't care at what expense, and she hates Wonder Woman for some kind of rivalry they have from the past, and that she's gonna best her. And they have this long, boring, drawn-out, awkward spear fight. Against and each they other. don't even fight with the spears the way that you would use a spear. They're like that, this is yeah. this is a stick fight. Like they're fighting with big sticks. They're fighting incompetently Inco- uh, with bow staffs. Uh, uh, okay, that are supposed to be spears. At this point, it ought to be safe to assume that everything <laughs> done in this movie. Yeah, I guess it is a little redundant. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> this movie is a laundry list of incompetencies. All the way down. Yeah. I mean, there are two characters that I think have some interesting depth despite the ridiculousness of them. One is Angela. And, you know, again, I hesitate to say it's a good part of the movie because it's not. (laughs) (laughs) But it was the one of the few parts where I was like interested in what was going on. I mean, it was a good idea. The other part comes later, but... uh, you know, I get what they were trying to set up there for the show, and I think it would have probably worked out okay if it had been a little bit more of a campy, over-the-top show, or right. it would be d- been done much better for what it was trying to be. So it gets to the end of the fight. Wonder Woman clearly wins, and they insinuate that there's a debt, and so Wonder Woman you know, doesn't want to charge her anything, but Angela says, I won't owe you a debt, and so... Uh, Wonder Woman tells her, you know, tell me where the donkey went, where they went with the money. And so Angela just spills the beans, no problem. You know, it's, uh, clearly she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> and so uh, Wonder Woman goes to the mountains and then it cuts to George and uh, Abner having a discussion uh, about intentions and pay. And so Abner makes this gamble with him. Again, he seems to be a man who likes to gamble. Uh, at least George does. Yeah. That uh, she followed him there, you know, for a million extra dollars, you know. And sure enough, we cut to a scene where Wonder Woman is coming up to the cave entrance and she picks up a piece of gum wrapper because George <laughs> is constantly chewing gum throughout the entire movie. And his littering is what undid him. And then in the most jarring transition <laughs> we we could have imagined... He pops up behind her. Surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) And has a gun to the back of her head. Now, again, I get that it's a corny, over-the-top comic book movie for a kind of corny, over-the-top character. He should have shot her right there. (laughs) Again. Literally. So this was like the fourth opportunity. We should have just shot her and been done with it. But no. He takes her back to his boss, even though we've clearly illustrated this entire time that he's not going to listen to his boss. He's got to do things his way. Oh, yeah. But this particular time, he's like, yeah, no problem. I'll take take her to my boss. So we get to the scene where he takes her to the boss, and this is the second scene where I'm like, okay, now I'm kind of interested because uh, Montalban is acting so well and making the character likable despite being obviously the big baddie. Now, mind Um, you, Ricardo Montalban could do this in his fucking sleep. And he did. (laughs) Yeah, practically. (laughs) This is all just a bad dream. I mean, he, he... turned on his classic Montalban charm and uh, his uh, and here's the thing with uh, old Ricardo is that you don't 
you don't find charm and any kind of endearment to this villain because of anything the villain's doing. This is all purely just because we know exactly who Ricardo fucking Montalpan is. Yeah. Uh, and he is very polite with her. He's very kind. He offers her a drink. He even tests the drink for her to illustrate that it's not poisoned or anything. He seems very honest. And this is the scene where he very clearly illustrates that uh, we must not kill, you know, be- uh, because it creates more problems than it's worth. And yeah, again, he's been killing people this whole time. So, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? But, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I, I mean, it, dress it up uh, any which way you like. We know exactly why he didn't want her dead. Yeah, he wanted to get laid. <laughs> wanted to get laid. And so basically... Add him to the list. We have this long, drawn-out thing where he says, you know, more or less he's an honorable guy, a deal's a deal, I'll give you the books, no problem. You know, I'll get away with the money. You know, don't try to sabotage it. And they go and they show her a helicopter that they built with stolen blueprints, which is a state-of-the-art helicopter. And she talks about her invisible jet that she has, which is, (laughs) you know, an interesting little wink at the audience, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) For those familiar with uh, the Wonder Woman lore and the ridiculousness of the invisible jet, (laughs) which... I hate that that's a thing. I really do. It's it's kind of... For such a... It's know, absurd. Cool character that's just like the most random out of nowhere thing for her to have that's just so campy and corny and silly. It, it's very hard to see that as anything other than ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, it's nice for the audience to, you know, you can read into it what you want. Maybe she's just bullshitting, you know, because she's scheming this entire time to figure out how to bring him down. Or, you know, she's being literal, which, based on how incompetent everybody is, probably the case. Yep. Uh, Just go ahead and tell people you have an invisible fucking jet! Yeah, and so they go into the the next room, and he notices that one of her bracelets, again, they look like the iconic bracelets that Wonder Woman always has, is missing. And, you know, canon, they're, you know, indestructible. In this case, they're C4. (laughs) And they blow up the helicopter in the other room and then the twins and George just come stumbling out of the smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Totally fine. Um, (laughs) At which point, uh, George clearly realizes that she's scheming to get the money and, you know, hold them accountable. So she grabs the cash and tries to make a run for it where she runs into her arch enemy, the glass wall. Not one. But two. The only thing worse than one <laughs> is two. It's like, oh my God. This, and, is like, this it, was the worst set ever, by the way. They could have taken all the money that they spent on the diarrhea wall and <laughs> spent it on this one scene because the set was hideous. It, it, <laughs> it was so bad. It, it was hideous to the point of being obviously done on like a sound stage. Yeah. And it, it like it was just a piece of paper in the background oh, <laughs> with this it hurts. These terrible paper mache, like glossy rock walls. And yeah. this terrible plastic glass <laughs> door setup. Just everything about it was awful. Yeah. Now, mind you, the the glass walls return to thwart her ability uh, by way of our boy, Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> Abner. 
uh, Abner, how do you say a smith? <laughs> uh, he, he presses the button, brings down the, the glass wall. She immediately tries to go through it because I think she's part cat and Dude, can't see that glo- glass. I, I think she can't see that glass is like right in front of her <laughs> and she goes right into it. So bad. So stupid. And then to further drive home the point that uh, either she can't see glass or glass walls are just her like sworn enemy for all time, she then turns around from the glass wall that she walked into, walking towards what she thinks is an entrance out of the cave into another glass wall. Yeah, so stupid. So <laughs> basically... <laughs> They pick up the cash and they have their spiel about not killing her, which again, stupid. You know, like everybody's got a gun on her. Just shoot the fucking woman and you're done. She's you she's win. right there. You, she's right fucking there. You win very easily. She just blew up your fucking escape helicopter. Fucking shoot her. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, again, most incompetent villains of all time, maybe. Uh, they leave and leave her trapped in this glass cave room by herself and sure enough because they're incompetent there's gaps at the top and so she unfurls her (laughs) belt lasso so inside of her belt she's got a little grappling hook with a rope in there so that's her lasso now (laughs) throws it up over this small gap and then very very slowly climbs up this wall it's so and she climbs like an idiot she climbs like ezra miller runs oh which is terribly it, terribly and in the least sensical way anyone's ever possibly conceived with their galaxy sized brain all forearms oh my, she's just she's just lifting herself straight up even though she's right against a surface that she could be putting her legs on she can't see it. <laughs> We've clearly illustrated she can't see glass. I'm starting to think her invisible jet isn't invisible at all. It's just glass. She hasn't figured it out yet. She thinks she's invisible, but we can all see her. I mean, that would technically be canon since every image of her flying an invisible jet, you see her just in a seated position, just flying around <laughs> just like, like Wee. It's yeah. like, what Wh- what yeah now I, I gotta be i gotta be fair in full context i love wonder woman's character like the classic you know greek one wonder woman is awesome yes I think she adds a lot of dynamics and cool storytelling uh epics yes she's a little bit campy a little bit corny because there's the supernatural element to her origins and her existence and she's very much kind of a stuffy character at times, you know, but she's awesome. Like she's one of the few characters that can go toe to toe with Superman, not necessarily because she's as strong or fast as Superman, but because she's a fully trained, competent warrior that can use her skill in battle and experience yeah. to overcome Superman's ex- ex- exponential strength and ridiculous superpowers, you know? Well, uh, that's she- not to say that she doesn't have 
super strength of her own, which, which uh, obviously, but y- oh no- yeah, nobody holds a candle to Superman, like, right? I mean, this is like matching Superman and the most strength. OP character of all time. Like, uh, like only Shazam can do it. Yeah, and even he gets fucking destroyed if he doesn't have his magic. So uh, you know. he he gets destroyed because he's kind of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the wisdom of Solomon. <laughs> the wisdom of Solomon is only good when you're actually thinking about it. <laughs> I guess Solomon wasn't a martial artist, so you know. Or he wasn't wise when he was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point, dog. Fair point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Wonder. I love Wonder Woman. You know, this, yeah. I'm wearing the shirt right now. I fucking love this shirt. I wear it all the time. Like, I love the Wonder Woman character. I think she looks awesome. I think she is awesome. I think she's just fun all around. And part of the, you know, obviously part of the Trinity. But you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the big three of the DC comic world. Fucking awesome. Yeah. I hate this version. <laughs> hate it. Because absolutely the, hate all it. of. It's like all of the wonder is gone. <laughs> so basically it culminates in this scene where uh, they're trying to escape in this little dinghy in an underground river escape pod. <laughs> and uh, George tries to take the money for himself with his, you know, his <laughs> revolver that he's been threatening people with the whole time. His he's oddly silenced revolver. Is with a little itty bitty silencer. <laughs> Just pew, pew. Because he kills the twins. That and it, fucking works. Oh, the exquisite acting that happens when he kills the twins. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> fucking brutal. And so he jumps down this long ladder where uh, Montalban is escaping Abner. Yeah. Mr. Smith is it, running with, in his dinghy. And then he slaps the uh, cash bags to unlock the tear gas that's inside. Because earlier in the film, Steve Trevor, again, why I think he's a plant, (laughs) he talks about, no, don't take the tear gas out. We'll stick with protocol because they probably know our protocol just as well as we do. And if we take it out, they'll suspect something. So that was the whole explanation for that. (laughs) Right. It's it's all just to set up the scene where he uses the tear gas to surprise George, make him fall into this little river where he reveals that he can't fucking swim (laughs) and dies drowning in this little shallow river next to the wall because he can't swim. So what did we learn? (laughs) Nothing. 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 Uh, well, uh, I, I beg to differ. I, I think I've learned that if I'm ever going to hatch any kind of scheme to at the last minute take a stupid amount of money from someone who hired me to enact the world's most convoluted plan in order to make <laughs> money off the U.S. government, so stupid. I would at the very least know how to swim. Yeah. God. Oh my God. Yeah. How do you own a yacht and not know how to swim? How? It. I don't know. It's stupid. It doesn't stupid. make sense. None yeah. of it makes sense. It, it incompetence, all the way down. Yeah. So Abner Smith runs away with the cash in his little dinghy down this little river in the desert. <laughs> this little shallow river in the desert. In the desert. And, no big deal. Uh, Easily Woman, seen. Wonder Woman takes her evil Knievel dirt bike and helmet and proceeds to chase him down through the mountains and then dismounts over a bridge. You know, I was hoping for a jump or something. Didn't get it. 
Uh, didn't get it immediately. Well, not the bike jump is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Wanted, oh, the uh, bike jump. I want, oh, my God. I wanted an evil Knievel bike jump because clearly that's what she was doing. <laughs> and she runs again in these high heels very competently. I, I mean, I, I said it out loud when we were watching. I was very impressed. Yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. I was like, damn. Yeah. She, she knows how to run. It, see, she the, was scaling like this cliffside. And I was like, damn. I don't know if this is the stunt woman or if it's actually Crosby herself, but she fucking knows what she's doing. <laughs> Running, she can handle. Climbing, on the other hand. Well, yeah, it, it was a little iffy yeah. at the end there, but uh, initially it was he, fine. Yeah. And so she gets on this cliff and is in cliff dives into this river so that she can swim up to his dinghy. And I mean literally just swim up alongside of it in the water. It's like like an otter peering up out of the water. Yep. She just, it's like out of nowhere, like, boop. Yeah. <laughs> Found you. Again, he's in the position of power here. All he needs to do is like poke her with her paddle. <laughs> you know, she can't get in the boat. She can't stop the boat if it's deep enough. Like, right. She's not powered. Like, what? What is she, what is she gonna do? Not a damn thing. But he's like, oh no, you've caught me, Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Wonder Woman. And she has never looked more frightening than she does coming out of that water. Oh my god! Like, she looked like fucking Skeletor before. Oh. Her hair is pasted to her head. Oh my god! In the god. full bright sun. Holy shit. That, that was is, that was a terrifying looking woman. It hurt me. It it like that image hurt it's me. Brutal. I I can't unsee <laughs> that was, moment. It was brutal. And so we proceed to the the final major important scene of the film where he's being handcuffed and he's kind of flirting with her and he he pulls out this cigar out of his pocket, pops it in his mouth and asks her to light it for because yeah. he's Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, a very obvious flipping of the roles, the classic James Bond, where you know James Bond girls getting arrested or whatever, and yeah. she has him light up a smoke or whatever. You know, very stereotypical. You know, hero villainous back and forth banter, and he's clearly flirting with her the whole time. Oh yeah, and she lights a cigarette for him, and they have a few words between them, and then. He's gone, and it's clear that they have some kind of thing going on between the two. Like, clearly, <laughs> there's some kind of spark going on between the two of them because at the end of the film, you know, Steve Trevor asks how her meeting with the dentist, which is the code for uh, Abner, uh, went and if parting with him was painful. And she says, yes, it kind of was, or something along those lines. So, yeah. clearly, there's something there, and they're probably going to play into that in the series which never came so that's the end of the film oh it was brutal my god uh, if i had to compliment something i would say the music was fun the the I music was, was very very of the time it was very 70s yes <laughs> very uh, oh my a lot god of scratch wah guitar <laughs> just yeah a lot of that <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. It worked. Yeah. It was, I mean, it definitely put you in the time period, if nothing else. Yeah. So uh, that's really my only compliment <laughs> that I can think of. I mean, Montalban's acting was exquisite and, you know, made him a likable, interesting character. I, I did like the idea of Angela and Wonder Woman being kind of rivals, you know, in this in the real world, going back and forth, you know, kind of getting in each other's way. I thought that was a cool idea that they could have capitalized on better, <laughs> you know. Yes. But uh, overall, just 
Not good. Not good. N- no. So I don't think we need to beat around the bush too much about this one. Um, you know, yeah, as it currently it's... stands, and let me bring up the rankings right now. Um, the best reviewed movie collectively so far has been uh, Tales from the Crypt from 1972, which is based on the EC Comics title. Uh, it averaged out to a B minus between the two of us. Um, close behind that is uh, Batman 1966, which you know averaged out to a C plus from both of us, largely on the back of Emery's <laughs> very high praise. Uh, Superman the Moleman got a D plus. And then uh, Vault of Horror got an exquisite F. <laughs> yes. Uh, I gave it a D minus, and Emery gave it an F minus minus, but <laughs> I decided that's not allowed, so he got he gave it an F minus. Yes. Averages out to an F. Uh, this movie, I feel, I would, to be fair, everything that I had problems with in Vault of Horror and the fact that I just didn't give a fuck about any of it and didn't want, it was super stupid, didn't matter, you know, but the acting was good and there was aspects of the presentation I liked, not entirely, but there's something there yeah. that held over from the Tales from the Crypt movie. I gave it a D minus and graded it on a curve because of the era, and the, you know, and the, you know, obviously filmmaking was just getting along, especially color filmmaking and all of that stuff. I feel like, for the same type of grading curve for the fact that it did have redeeming features such as uh, featuring uh, black people in prominent, important, powerful roles uh, and being progressive that way, illustrating the opposite end of the spectrum where the, the men are obviously being very aggressively disgusting uh, to try to pick her up. Maybe not as aggressively as recent films would illustrate, like Captain Marvel. I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Not in a way that's so ridiculous, like so over the top that you're like, that would never happen. Uh, this case, yes. <laughs> yeah. I could see this, especially in the 70s with the power suits and everything. I, I Okay, I get it. Probably yeah. probably happened more than we'd like to, to think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was cool how they tried to kind of play on the iconic imagery a little bit with her outfit at the end, even though she ended up looking like Evil Knievel, (laughs) but they didn't go with the full 1968-1972 era Wonder Woman where she doesn't look like Wonder Woman at all with the outfit. Uh, But then in the other respect, you know, they they had this very kind of scary-looking blonde woman who does not look like Diana at all. Um, They had very ridiculous characters that just didn't make any sense they weren't it wasn't like campy and like a fun endearing way like batman 1966 was but it it wasn't as serious as it needed to be either and so just nothing was working in any regard because it was just so contrary to itself it it was never quite coalescing into a singular vision yeah it was Clearly, there was like three or four camps in this writing process that just weren't coming together. Uh, I, I thought it was fun how they were kind of winking at the audience a few times for the people that did love Wonder Woman's history with the Invisible Jet talk and, you know, obviously Steve Trevor being integrated into the, the show and all of this stuff. Uh, even They even found a way to make the ridiculous combination of the spy world with Themyscira work in some way, even though it seemed kind of shoehorned in. Um, it did a little bit. So um, all that being said, and the music being banging, I like the music. It was good. 
I give it a D minus. A D minus. Like the minimum D minus. Sixty percent. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. And what would you give it, Emery? <laughs> well, I gotta give it an F. <laughs> <laughs> but will you give it an F minus like you did Vault of Horror? Uh not an F minus. Wow. I, okay. I will I will give this an F because I've said it before and I'll say it again. This movie was a laundry list of incompetencies all the way down. And there was nothing that makes me uh, th- there's nothing that makes me feel any kind of wonder or excitement for a character less than viewing them as any kind of incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> like when you portray a character called Wonder Woman and you make me feel like I could probably handle that situation myself, IRL, better than you did here. That is it's not good. That is a disservice to the character. Yeah. That is a I, I mean th- th- this not a good look. This movie does a disservice to the character all the way around. Yeah. It was like when, when it's not uh grossing me out with the uh, love bendy. The boop. The the boop. The boop um, is so bad. It, it's so cringeworthy. It's going out of its way to have this a uh, little bit of action in the middle of uh in the middle of an elevator and then she just goes straight to her room like nothing happened yeah it like there are scenes like that there are scenes like the very foolishly done scene of uh it's her versus her rival while there's a guy right next to the both of them with a gun. <laughs> it, it's, Holding a donkey. It, it's then following up that scene with her happening upon a wrapper of gum in which I, uh, like IRL, when this happened, said, you littering motherfucker. And then out of nowhere, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> That's how you know he's evil. Uh, he litters. He, he litters as a trap. <laughs> <laughs> and she falls for it. She sure does. Yeah. She falls for everything. She does. She's probably it, it, the most incompetent spy I've ever seen. She, not, Everybody knows who she is. Everyone. They recognize her everywhere she goes immediately. And she falls into every single clearly obvious trap that there is. See, here's the thing with this movie. It's almost like... They tried to take the very popular at the time, James Bond, and shoehorn this character so fucking hard into that aesthetic that it becomes very clear that not only does it not fit, she is never going to fit into that role in a way that's ever going to make sense. And all of the characters around her basically look incompetent by virtue of the fact that, uh, well, she's the hero, and she has to be at least a little bit more competent than them. Yeah. And Glass. How do you not see Glass? How how do you... (laughs) 
get tricked by glass not once, not twice, three times. this, This movie, I am giving it an F because it fails to make me feel as though there is any wonder to this Wonder Woman. And if it... If they had given this blonde woman the classic costume, that would be one thing. If they had given a woman who much more matched the description of Wonder Woman this new updated costume, that would have been one thing. But when you take someone who doesn't even look like Wonder Woman in a costume that doesn't even look like Wonder Woman and call her Wonder Woman, yeah, uh, it's, just it, it, it's a fail. She's female... It, James Bond, Evil Knievel. Female James Bond, Evil Knievel, where she's just competent enough to not die immediately. Yeah, it's it's bad. It is it's bad. It, it's this, this, it's it, you know you would if it was bad for being you know campy and endearing, I would be a little more forgiving. I mean, if and it was campy and some... yeah, this was. This is a movie that in every way, shape, or form imaginable, it did not depict Wonder Woman. Yeah, so there you have it, folks. Our averaged rating comes to an F+. Plus. F+. Plus. Just slightly better <laughs> than, than Vault of Horror. Oh, avoiding my the God. eternal shame of being the worst comic movie on the Hit the Books comic movie master list. Um, now, mind you, while this movie was terrible, the series that actually does star Linda Carter, well, I think it kind of knocks it out of the fucking park. <laughs> well, we'll find out in the very near future. So while it is not our next movie, our next movie in chronological order is actually a pilot that was made for Superman called It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. Too long. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it didn't last long, so yeah, yeah. that's appropriate. <laughs> that, that, that's the, the thing that is really unfortunate when you have this thing that sounds clever and it kind of plays into the things. Like, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Like, I, it sounds good on paper, but no one's going to say that whole fucking thing out loud when they're talking about this show. They're just going to yeah. call it the Superman show. Yeah, so 1975, we got two movies coming from the DC Comics lore. One is It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, which we'll be reviewing on the next episode of Comic Movie Masterless. So make sure you go out and check that out if you can. It's probably on the DC Universe app. If you can find, If I can find a free link to it, I will post it, but... Yeah, most likely we're at the point where I'm not going to be able to find anything that WB hasn't stricken off the internet and uh, yeah. burned with gasoline. Um, Oof. After that, then we get into the Wonder Woman we think of when we think of Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, the new original Wonder Woman, which is such a dumb title because, A, she's not the original Wonder Woman, <laughs> but, hey, it's the new original wonder woman however if you read into the context i the new is obviously linda carter instead of crosby yeah original 
meaning the original version of Wonder Woman in the canon, not the secret spy Wonder Woman we tried to push on you, you know, a year ago. So that's what the intent of the title is, but it's still stupid. <laughs> Come on, guys. Marketing. Get yeah. better. Yeah. Do you Be th- better. You, you, you think that uh, they just went with uh, whatever name like would make more sense to attract all of the, the fans that they're trying to get? Like, we're going to call it the new original comic book <laughs> accurate. Uh, please just come out and fucking watch this thing for the love of God. We're yeah. trying to make money off of Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. Please. Yep, and then soon after that, you can look forward to some Marvel films finally jumping into some Marvel Cinematic Universe, but not the cinematic universe you think of. It's actually the 1970s Spider-Man, 1978 Spider-Man Strikes Back, and the 1978 Doctor Strange. Yeah, see, here's the thing about the, the Wonder Woman movie that we just watched. I know we haven't gotten to the time period in which these movies come out, but I am at least uh, have a cursory knowledge of movies about one star-spangled Avenger that came out in the 80s. Ah, another evil Knievel. Another evil Knievel. <laughs> but with a plastic shield. Uh, it, a shield so plastic you could almost swear you see right through. Yeah, you can. It, it's a plastic <laughs> shield. This is just a plastic frisbee, guys. Sure Come is. on, sure is. Um, <laughs> I'm then, looking forward to that. I, uh, now, <laughs> this movie obviously not very well regarded. Most people don't even know it exists, and our review I think reflects that with an F plus. Y- yep, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Same type of situation. This is. These were the first films that DC was trying to create to launch a new era of color television DC properties. You know, Batman 1966 came out after the show, so it wasn't like it was shown to premiere the show. It was shown after the success of the first season of the show to kind of launch the second season and get a little bit more uh, notoriety in the movie theaters to promote the show's second season and eventual third season. So... Um, it's gonna be a little rough go of it. The Marvel, these Marvel movies, not very well regarded either. Nope. Uh, very bad. Apparently. Uh, we'll again, we'll find out <laughs> for sure. So definitely stick uh, stick around and uh, tune in. But uh, it's funny that you know, in the same year that we got two of these probably terrible Marvel movies, and just you know, a few years after this terrible Wonder Woman movie. Uh, we are getting 1978's seminal Superman film. The, literally the Superman movie that everyone thinks of when they think of Superman. I mean, Christopher Reeves. It's it, Talk about Iconic playing music. a role so goddamn well that everyone, past, present, and future, will be compared to this one man. Yep. And they all try to look like him. Yep. They try so hard to look like Chris it, Reeves. It's like, imagine having been in Superman in the moment, and yet, no matter what you do, <laughs> it's like, no matter what you do, all of what you're doing, 
will be compared to something that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh I mean, my God. We're, we're building up to a big one for sure. Oh, yeah. But there's going to be some fun, quirky, <laughs> over-the-top ridiculous ones along the way. So. Oh, man. We are in for a wild ride. And <laughs> 1978, three of them. Three movies. Two from Marvel, one from DC. Yeah, I mean, our highest rated film is a horror horror anthology based on a comic series that had gone extinct 20 years prior, <laughs> uh, and it got a B minus. So yes, it's it's yeah. been a, it's been a little rough going it, with mean, these early films so far, but it, we have a lot to look forward to. So definitely stick around. We have a lot to look forward to, and anything can happen. <laughs> and let's face it, you never have to watch this Wonder Woman movie again. It's, you you just never have to watch this Wonder Woman movie. It was just a bad dream. It just, just a bad oh dream. Oh, my God. I feel like I got J.J. abrams <laughs> <laughs> None of it's real. So with that, once again, F plus for 1974's Wonder Woman. Uh, I hope you all had as much fun as I had discussing it here with my co-host, Emery. As always. Of course, our weekly podcast will be returning very soon, probably next week if I had to guess, uh, because uh, the 21st is the first set of comic books being shipped by Diamond to retailers. We'll see how it goes tentatively, and then hopefully everything updates to the current solicitations so we can give you the up-and-coming new comic books coming to your local comic book shops again please support your local comic book shops every wednesday um so definitely uh look forward to that if you've missed the the regular discussion and talk on the show uh that will be returning very soon and of course we will continue doing comic movie master list however just because it's so much editing and work expect the comic movie master list to slow down a little bit it'll probably be every other week or something like that like it was prior to the the whole quarantine shutdown of the comic book industry so uh definitely keep that in mind look forward to that once again it's a bird it's a plane it's superman will be the episode uh for next week for comic movie master list uh so definitely try to find that and watch it like i said a lot of this is on dc universe if you want to watch these dc movies and the best quality and best format that's probably the place to go um i will see if i can find a free link but it looks like we're getting to the eras where there really isn't any more free links because they're still making money with this stuff in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, look, they're. I mean, the more recent we get, the more obvious it's going to be that WB has a vested interest in making people pay for being able to see these things and for literally anything. Oh yeah, I mean that they, they, they WB is notorious for copyright strikes, so that's yeah. a big reason why I can't put full clips or anything. I can only put <laughs> pictures because our podcasting services and our youtube channel get copyright strikes for even the smallest music clip if i don't alter it and if i alter it what's the fucking point right you're not hearing what i want you to hear so i might i might try to sneak a little bit of the the music in just because it is so (laughs) i don't know it it's so obvious that this music is just like every other 70s TV show soundtrack. <laughs> you yeah, know? I, 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 I think it'd be hard to pick up the music. Yeah, uh, the music, uh, if you're going to play it, I would say for the sake of avoiding strikes, uh, I, it'll be very short. Yeah, I hear that it is much easier to get away with it if you put it later in the file. 
we'll give it a shot. So yeah. I'll try to give you as much content as I can on the YouTube channel, especially. Uh, so definitely watch the YouTube channel if you want to see the images. Uh, once again, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Podbean, we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, we are on YouTube. Uh, you can find links to all of these different stations on our website, htbvids.com. We're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash hit the books if you want to help support the show and keep us running. And we really do appreciate it. If you can't support us, that's just fine. But if you please, 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 if you spend time enjoying our podcast, just give us a like or give us a subscribe. Give us a good rating elsewhere. Uh, it really, really goes a long way to help us out. And we'd be very, very grateful to you. Um, once again, next episode, it's Bird is Playing. It's Superman. Uh, I think I've touched up on everything. You can reach out to us on Twitter at HTBVids. We're very responsive. You can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash hit the books. You can talk to us on our YouTube channel in the comments section. Uh, you can email us at hitthebooksvids, V-I-D-S, at gmail.com. So feel free to reach out to us if you want to propose any questions or topics of the show in the future, or if you want to put some counterpoints or other interesting tidbits that we can uh, add on to the following episode of Comic Movie Masterless or Hit the Books Podcast. Without further ado, I will say goodbye, farewell, so long. Stay safe, wash your hands, things are reopening, life is coming back, but don't get corona. My corona. Wonder Woman sucks. The movie, 1974. It's terrible. Yeah, the movie... Not the character. The character's great. Uh, they they get it right. Watch it, it for it, a laugh. It, it it takes a while, get but they high, get it right. Get drunk. <laughs> Watch it for the laugh. It, it's oh my god, this one's so goofy. Unintentional comedy. <laughs> a lot they, of cringeworthy moments though. They tried so hard, <laughs> <laughs> and by Goodbye. tried so hard, they they hired one good guy. It's true. Yeah. We love you all. Goodbye. <laughs>